Welcome to the Drawscast Podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. And now, coming to you live from the palatial Drawscast Studios and streaming worldwide, ladies and gentlemen, Draws. Thank you, Jeff Drozdowski. Welcome back to the Drozcast podcast. As you know, 2020 is going to be guest-driven, and as you might expect, I have a, another great guest here with me today. I've known Kurt for about 10 years. Uh, I met him at a trainer's conference. We both belong to an organization called the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers, and Kurt has a very interesting uh, path to where he's gotten to today. And also from a leadership perspective, I wanted to have Kurt on because he looks at leadership from kind of a research point of view, and he belongs to an organization that he will tell you about here uh, that really delves into personality types. And just so we're clear, in case you ever see his name spelled out, it's our shamble. In case you, you look at it, you may think it's Archambeau, but I've been told several times it's Archambeau. So, Kurt Archambeau, welcome to the Drawscast. Well, hey, Jeff, thank you so much. Totally an honor and a pleasure to be here to join you and uh, uh, helping uh, share uh, expertise from you and I and all the other guests you had with uh, those out there in the uh, internet world. Yes, yes, excellent. So uh, just for a little background, so people know, uh, Kurt and I have known each other for over 10 years as part of that organization that uh, I've talked about. And prior to uh, going on air, we were talking about a, a time at a conference that we shared and come to find out it was eight years ago. So time flies when you're having fun. That's for sure. Yes. Uh, so instead of me telling my story about you, because I feel like I'm about ready to go there, let me ask my first question to you, Kurt. As you've listened to some of these episodes, and as I like to do, I like to build a little bit of background uh, for the listeners before we get into the meat and potatoes. So go ahead and tell uh, the Drawscast listeners a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and Take us to the point where maybe you got out of high school or just started your professional career. Ah, okay, no, that's that's a great start. So uh, I, like uh, many others out there, uh, was a, uh, a, a military brat. So my father uh, is a Detroit native. Uh, so that's my uh, personal connection back to Detroit, uh, but uh, uh, chose to join the military. Uh, one of his first... Um, uh, calls of duty was in the uh, great country of Germany, uh, and that's where he met my mother. And uh, I am actually was born in uh, Germany at the Nuremberg Army Hospital, and we moved around quite a bit, as many uh, military families will tell you, two to three, four times. You know, uh, before I was even in junior high school, we had moved a number of times. I've lived in uh, beautiful uh, places such as uh, uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and uh, Mule Draw, Kentucky, and uh, had spent some time in Warren, Michigan. He uh, found himself uh, liking uh, Fort Lewis and just south of uh, Tacoma. Uh, and when he got the choice of where he wanted to end up at as his last stop, uh, that was where uh, we ended up. So I uh, moved there in 1975-ish. I was still in junior high at the time, just finishing out my junior high career. Uh, and then uh, we moved into a, a neighborhood in Tacoma uh, and started going to school in Tacoma for my uh, ju last junior high year and high school. Uh, and lots of things uh, uh, 
were born from that experience, but I've uh, been there again uh, since about the mid-70s, so I can officially call myself uh, almost a native of Washington uh, and the city of Seattle. Is there a, a time frame that uh, there is out in Washington where they say, okay, you can call yourself a Washingtonian or something like that, or is that just something that you uh, that you've come up with? Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, Seattle, with the growth that we've experienced over the last uh, number of years, right? It's it's like any large city that's faced a lot of growth. Uh, there's a lot of people that live there that aren't from there. So those that are from there take a, a personal affront uh, when they say somebody's from Seattle. Uh, so I did some research actually on that, Jeff, and I said, what, you know, how long can I now say I'm actually from Seattle? And uh, one publication had it. Uh, you know, if you've been there more than ten years you're good. So I figured, all right, since I've been there since 1975, uh, I think I can call myself a Washingtonian. But I will tell you, I am not a native. My wife is a native. Uh, my two children are natives. Uh, but I am still somewhat of a transplant, though a, a long-term transplant. Yeah, I would say you are a, a Washingtonian <laughs> for sure. You know, you were mentioning, uh, and we cut out for just a second there, you okay. mentioned some of those small towns, but then you got to Fort Lewis near Seattle. Yep. You know, you mentioned some of those cities, and I'm familiar with Warren, Michigan. I'm not familiar with the other two that you mentioned out in Missouri and and I think you said Utah. But uh, out of those three, it sounds like w the bustling city of Warren was – <laughs> What's the most uptown that you had there? Yeah, well, for a while it was. Yeah, major metropolitan. Uh, it was actually Mule Draw, Kentucky. Uh, oh, Kentucky. And okay. Whatever, whatever image just popped in your head when I said Mule Draw, Kentucky. That's exactly what it's like. It was a a little town, one mile long, one mile wide, uh, just outside of uh, Fort Knox, uh, and that was one of the stations my dad was at. So Fort Leonard Wood is in Missouri. Fort Knox is in Kentucky. Uh, we were in Warren because at that time he was in Vietnam. And so that's where uh, families were stationed. And he got a chance to say, let my family be near my, you know, my extended family while I'm gone for an extended period of time. Uh, and then most of the other time we spent uh, uh, in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, another beautiful metropolis is Schweinfurt, Germany, which actually was very lovely. Uh, and then we were back in uh, Fort Lewis and Tacoma area. Yeah, something I've never asked you, uh, since I know you've spent a lot of time in Germany is do you speak German? I know enough to make sure I don't get in trouble. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can I can understand some of my relatives when they're talking, but I can't get into a, a, you know a conversation with them. I just have a general idea what they're saying, and I can give them enough to where they kind of understand what I'm talking about. Well, that's I mean that's good enough, right? I mean it's not like you got uh, the the thing that I've learned because while I haven't had a lot of experience with uh, the German language. Just with my, my time in the restaurant world, I've dealt uh, with a lot of communities and actually have done some training down in Mexico. Mm. And it seems to me, if you need to learn the language, you want to learn the language, the best and fastest way to do it is to just drop yourself down in the middle of a bunch of people that speak Spanish and you kind of figure it out as you go mm -hmm. along. Yep. I would, I would have to agree with you 100%. That's the, the best way to do it. And, and it shows some respect too, when you're taking an effort to learn the, the, the language of the, the country you're in. Uh, they, you know, people appreciate your efforts when you do that. And, and they, they sometimes have fun with you not saying words exactly the same, but it's all in good faith and, you know, trying to help you out. So I, I've always found that to be the truth too. Now, did you go to college? Uh, I am a late to college student. So uh, it's all born out of what you may about 
be ready to ask me in a second. But uh, uh, yes, I did graduate a uh, Bachelor of Science in Business uh, Management. But it wasn't, we, we'll call it a traditional path where it was high school, college, and then off into the professional world, right? No, it, not at all. It okay. was the uh, uh, high school, 16th birthday, blow the candles out. Dad wants to know what's taking you so long to get a job. <laughs> that's right. Congratulations. And uh, no sleeping in tomorrow. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So I know your path a little bit, but uh, tell our listeners really your early years of professional growth. We, we both share an experience where we worked for one company for a long period of time, but tell us how you got there and who that one company is. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, you know, after the candles got blown out, uh, my mom and sister had gone out for a little outing and they happened to stop in a little restaurant that we had never been aware of until we moved uh, to Tacoma, or at least we, I had not been aware of it. And on the counter was a, uh, a placard. And in that placard was some applications. Uh, and my little sister at the time looked at my mom and said, I know somebody who needs a job. So she pulled off an application, uh, brought it home. I filled it out, uh, went down to the place of business, uh, sat there with Sherry, the assistant manager, whose long flowing hair still is visible in my mind. Uh, and she asked me a ton of questions. Uh, and at the end of that interview, uh, she says, you're hired. And that was the very first day uh, that I started at Jack in the Box Restaurants. Uh, back in the you know late 80-ish frame. I just turned 16. My first job, uh, real job. I had some other stuff uh, before, but you know this was the long-term job. Uh, cleaning parking lots, scrubbing toilets, and uh, uh, changing fryers. Uh, there was not as many labor laws back then for minors. Uh, and I did that before school uh, at five, like between 5.30 and 8. And then I came back at 3 in the afternoon and did it again all over. Wow. So you were like the store cleanup crew. I was, I was, um, uh, yes, the maintenance guy, sanitation, whatever you want to call it. You know, I was the guy helping people who were doing the, the, the work of serving the customers and just keeping the, keeping the operation looking spick and span. Wow. Wow. So, uh, you know, uh, one of the nice things that has happened, and I didn't try and do it like this, but uh, as the host, I, I have been bringing in people who have gotten into one business and they've stayed with it for a really long time. And most of it is in the restaurant industry. And mm -hmm. in society, I think that people who are restaurant people don't always, well, let's say they aren't always looked at in the highest regard, as you would say, maybe a doctor and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things that I found is an incredible amount of loyalty to the restaurant industry for people who get into it. It's mm -hmm. very diverse, right? You, yep. you learn a lot about people and different ways that people grow up. And if you travel, you learn a lot about languages and just different ways people live. And and you know what? If you can look past that and, you know, you can really have a career in restaurants because you know what, Kurt, you know this, everybody's got to eat. That's right. Uh, you know, restaurants have been successful coming and gone over the years. But you know what? It's an industry that has persevered through all kinds of situations. As long as uh, people are needing to eat, there's going to be somebody who's happy to serve them. Uh, some food. So, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, the perspective is not always uh, uh, shining a very positive light on those in the restaurant industry, but I have met some of the most amazing uh, individuals in my life as a result of uh, working in the restaurant business. Uh, one of which 
uh, is my wife, who I met at the Jack in the Box. Uh, she was the prep girl, and I was the maintenance boy. Uh, and uh, our relationship blossomed. Uh, and happy to uh, report that uh, we've, we're going on 38 years of marriage. Uh, so if there's anything that I've received uh, uh, from the, uh, an organization I work with, you know, that's a big one. And uh, uh, very blessed to have that, had that opportunity to meet her then and still have her in my life today. A match made at the fryer. That's pretty much it. That's pretty, well, more so in the back of the house because she was slicing tomatoes and I was changing the garbage. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, 38 years. That's fantastic. Yeah. So to date, uh, we've been heard in 41 countries. So okay. not everybody knows uh, Jack in the Box. And really, outside of the Western United States, people probably don't know a lot about Jack. Uh, I do just because of my age, and I know they tried to come east. But yep. yeah, give people a little background what, what kind of a, uh, a restaurant Jack, uh, Jack in the Box is. Yeah, so Jack in the Box is, is what I find, you know, a very interesting story. Uh, started in San Diego, California. It was originally called Oscars uh, back in the mid-50s. So, we're, you know, we're talking about that time when, you know, other chains were starting to come on board. You know, the McDonald's of the world and, uh, you know, obviously White Castle preceded uh, the Jack in the Box. Uh, but, you know, this concept, this, uh, this uh, uh, concept of uh, a vehicle-driven society started to evolve different businesses. And, and, and I think quick service fast food restaurants uh, is one of those things that spawned out of our love for automobiles. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's, you know, you're, you would consider a typical uh, fast food burger chain, burgers, fries, chicken sandwiches, shakes, soda pops. Uh, but over the years, Jack has had the uh, recognition of being kind of an innovator. So uh, sometimes there's discussions around who was the first, uh, but uh, the first breakfast sandwich that was ever uh, sold uh, was uh, by Jack in the Box restaurants. Now, uh, another one of our peer groups would say they were the first national chain to sell, which they're not incorrect, uh, but uh, Jack in the Box was the first. The, the first drive-through uh, was uh, through Jack in the Box restaurants. The first... Um, uh, salad, you know, the packaged salad was done by Jack in the Box restaurants. So uh, always was a very innovative company trying to push the needle. Uh, you know, we were one of the first ones to do 24-hour breakfast. And now you see right now, Wendy's just launched breakfast and, you know, the breakfast wars are a real thing. So, you know, that organization I've always found to really try to push the needle. We did have some, you know, tries to move to the east, uh, but it was a little bit too far. I would say we were in and out Burger in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, where In-N-Out is trying to make an incursion east, um, but uh, it's hard to get away from your base. And, and, and Jack found that to be a, a little bit of the case as well. So yes, my grandmother who lived in Mount Clemens would always tell me, oh, I remember Jack in the Box. It was on the corner of you know Maine and Maine, and uh, it's a thrift store now. I can't tell you how many years in a row she would tell me that same story. Uh, but it was always nice to get her perspective on her experience at Jack in the Box. So uh, they're still out there, uh, 2,000 plus restaurants restaurant strong. Uh, and uh, we dip in there periodically. Um, but uh, I still stay in contact. I'm going to be at a speaking gig uh, in a couple of weeks. And I am reconnecting with some of my Jack in the Box alum uh, for a nice little get together just to kind of reminisce about old times. So uh, a very strong community of Jack in the Box uh, employees, whether they're still there or have moved on to other careers. Very cool. And that lasted quite uh, quite a long time, Kurt. Uh, you know, tell uh, tell our listeners how long you were with Jack in the Box. 
I was there for 31 years. And so as you can tell, I've been married 38 years. I was with the employee employer for 31 years. So I'm a fairly loyal person. Uh, and the only reason it changed is organizational structure changed in that uh, for the vast majority of my time with them, we were a franchisor with a majority of locations being uh, company owned. Uh, and then they embarked on a, a refranchising structure. So now where when I worked there, it was 80% company, 20% franchise. I think they're now down to 10% company and 90% franchise. So, you know, it was it was time for me to make a move. I wanted to be the first 50-year employee, uh, but that wasn't in the card. So, you know, at that point in time, it was time to move on. Yeah, I think the only 50-year employees in a company are usually are the founders or their family. <laughs> right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Unless you, uh, you know, start at 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. But that's what I love about the Jack in the Box and the hospitality business. How many stories are there out there of, of organizations that have been around for decades, right? I mean, I always uh, reflect back on my White Castle times, you know, when I would go back to Michigan and that's when, that was our big deal. Let's go to White Castle because they were no place else where we were. And to yeah. think that, you know, they've been around since the 30s. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Not to get too far off uh, yep. what we're talking about, but have you ever been down to the Porcelain Palace in Columbus, Ohio? You know, uh, it's amazing that you say that. I have never been to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, interestingly enough, the airline that I fly from Seattle actually has a direct flight to Columbus. So it's on my list uh, of things to do. They have, um, they've got some great historical pictures uh, mm. all throughout their offices there. And one of them is a picture of the original White Castle. And honestly, it isn't, and I'm not, being facetious when I say <laughs> yeah. this, it's not much bigger than a cabinet or a dresser mm. drawer or, you know, a clothes closet or something like that. It's probably had, it was carry out, but it probably yep. had the grill on the counter and it yep. probably needed two people at the most. Yep. It's funny you say that, Jeff, is that uh, if you go back to some of the early Jack in the Boxes, that's how they were actually created. You had one person cooking and you had one person serving and, and that's all the building. And there are still some locations that are the original footprint. They've added on a little bit, but it's amazing to think that we were able to, to generate business through such a small space. Yeah, it's incredible. But Away from White Castle now, let's yep. kind of turn back toward you. And so I always find it difficult when you say, you know, you have somebody tell your story in five minutes or less. And it's like, okay, well, I worked at uh, Jack in the Box for 31 years. Okay, that's amazing. Now let's move on to, you know, but yeah. but uh, that's just kind of the way that the, these things are. But yeah, so 31 years, I can appreciate that. Um, loyalty in the restaurant business is very, very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of restructuring, Kurt finds uh, himself uh, between careers because really what you jumped on after that has really defined you over the last, what, 10, 12 years, something like that. And, and, and this is a big driver of why I wanted to have you on the show. So tell me and tell the listeners how you ended up at People Performance Strategies uh, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, you know, it's. I'm going to circle back to something you said earlier today, uh, as it relates to you know what people's perceptions are of you that work in the hospitality industry. So uh, I found myself, you know, in that job search capacity. Uh, I literally live two blocks from Amazon.com's world headquarters. Wow! I, I can throw a rock 
and hit, hit one of their buildings. Uh, and at the time that I was looking for work, it was about nine-ish years ago. Uh, they had still not really taken off to who they are today. Uh, and they were hiring 10,000 people. And I'm like, well, this is going to be great because I only need one job and they have a lot of opportunity. So, you know, this is going to be quick. Uh, that wasn't quite how it worked out. Uh, and uh, whether I am, am, you know, trying to self-soothe myself or not, uh, what I learned very early on is, A, in today's employment world, um, 31 years at the same company does not resonate the same way as it used to. Uh, the second thing is 31 years at the same company, and it happens to be a quick service restaurant chain doesn't resonate with uh, some organizations as being progressive and, uh, you know, innovative. Uh, and so there was a number of barriers that I felt that I was uh, coming up against. So uh, fate as it may be, uh, you mentioned early on our affiliation with Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers uh, and having been a past uh, board member, past president, uh, I've come to grow a fairly strong network, yourself included, uh, and many of your colleagues. And uh, one of those individuals uh, is my current uh, boss, uh, which is Jolene Garankin. Uh, and Jolene had uh, just left probably 11 years ago, uh, a company that she was at. She was actually running an institute uh, right at the height of the, uh, the economic downturn. And uh, so she decided to go out on her own and things were actually going super well for her. And so one day uh, she happened to be at a social gathering with some colleagues that we all know. Uh, and they were just generally talking about people that we know and your experiences. And my name came up in the conversation. Well, that sparked Jolene to think, wow, I'd love to expand my business. Who might be out there that I could approach? And that's where my name kicked in. So she called me. Uh, you may or may not know this about me, but I am somewhat risk averse. So I was not at the state of my career where I wanted to, you know, become a partner, invest a sizable amount of capital and, you know, take on a big risk. And uh, what worked out well is Jolene said to me right out of the shoot, I'm not interested in taking on a partner. I don't want any investment. And I'm like, well, this is going to be good. Uh, and so we had a nice discussion. We happened to both be in the same place at the same time. And she's like, let's give this a go. And I'm like, let's give it a try. What's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, and that was literally eight and a half years ago. And I'm still here. So we talked about Austin a little bit earlier, eight years ago. So it happened right around that time. Yeah. Well, and at that time, uh, Jolene lived in uh, San Clemente, California. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, now, amazingly enough, uh, she is based out of Austin, Texas. So maybe there's some sort of uh, karma that's going on here. Yeah. And that's really, you know, not only beneficial for you, but really when it comes to people who are opening up their first business, uh, you know, her business, PPT, People Performance Strategies, took off like crazy. Talk oh, about, yeah. You know, obviously she's doing something right from a business-minded perspective, but, you know, timing is a lot of, of success too. And the timing on that was was perfect. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and she was traveling a lot. And then one of her goals was, you know, travel less. And I'm happy. I uh, We don't have kids at home anymore. They've moved on in their lives. We don't own pets. So, I, you know, I'm happy to travel as, as I talk to you here from the great state of Iowa. Uh, so uh, that worked out well. The, the interesting thing is eight years later, uh, Jolene is still traveling uh, as much, if not more than she did back then. Uh, and I'm traveling more. So that's just a, 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 an indicator of how the business continues to grow and how we continue to have an opportunity to, to help other organizations, you know, enhance their experiences with their employees and, and, and really 
do some good work. And it's work that I love to do. I mean, it's, it, it's uh, been rewarding because I get to meet a ton of new people uh, and I get to have an impact, uh, you know, beyond that uh, group that I impacted at Jack in the Box, which was a great group, but now it's, you know, across the country. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Perfect segue, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> so what does PPS do and how does it benefit uh, employees and leadership of a company. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. Quite a multifaceted response. So, yeah. uh, Jolene has is has got a lot of expertise in the HR side of the business. Uh, I would like to say I have a, a significant amount of expertise in the training and development and coaching side of the business. Uh, she has coaching as well, uh, and so we take kind of an entire. Uh, people-oriented uh, perspectives. So we know that uh, organizations are doing it, especially in this economic uh, day and age where I was just working with a client today and where we're at, I mean, the unemployment rate is uh, just went up to 2.1. Uh, and, and that's just phenomenal to think about. In my 40 years of being in the business world, uh, it's never been at this level. So what we're trying to do is help not only get folks into the front door, but also when they get in, how do we make that experience uh, that much better? And, and so we'll do that through, you know, doing HR assessments and helping companies identify, you know, what they do well, what they might need to shore up. Uh, we will do, uh, even basic things like helping them create training materials. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, organizations have those uh, resources in-house. A lot of times they don't, and that's where we can kind of fit that, that bill. Uh, Jolene will work as a, a HR consultant. You know, if there's an interim position while we're working through uh, a new HR person, she'll take on that senior HR role. Uh, and then what my job is, is to really work with clients in a number of different capacities. So we have we have a series of tools and products that we offer out there, uh, but I like to spend time in helping enhance uh, uh, communication and relationships between people in the workplace. Because um, ultimately, how folks interact and engage with each other is going to determine how well they're going to execute uh, on the business strategies, which is going to determine how well uh, the business uh, meets its uh, goals and obligations and, and the financial viability of the organization. So we start with a people first mindset, uh, but we are very cognizant that it's not just about making people feel better, uh, but it's also about driving top line results, optimizing costs and, and building the bottom line and customer experience. Yeah, so I learned something today, and I only know you, and we'll talk about DISC here momentarily, but I've always looked at, at your company as, you know, the DISC folks, and I'm sure yeah. there are a lot of people out there that uh, that feel the, the same way. They get the idea because that's the only thing that they've experienced through yeah. PPT, but uh, yeah, great to know that you can get a lot of benefit on many different levels uh, from that organization. So one of the big things that I've learned is what you guys sell, and that is teaching companies and organizations how their employees can work better together. Mm-hmm. You mentioned 2.1% unemployment in, in your part of the world, you know, nationally here in the U.S., it's, you know, at all time lows, like you've said. Mm-hmm. So to me, it always comes back to developing the right culture and the right leadership in an organization. And good leadership uses the tools that people for, uh, people in performance strategies use to get people to stay. Retention mm-hmm. is so important in today's workplace. 
So one of the ways that they utilize your company is this personality. And tell me if if you say it differently or you look at it differently, but it's kind of a personality assess, uh, assessment that's called DISC, D-I-S-C. Yep. So explain to explain to us what DISC is. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. That is one of our primary tools. We have a, a whole suite of DISC-based assessments, and I'll talk about some of the other tools that we have as, as well. But uh, DISC has been around for a long time. Matter of fact, many of your listeners might even be saying at this point, oh, I've taken DISC before, and there's a high likelihood that they have. Uh, it was created as part of a military study or governmental study uh, back in, I'm going to say the 40s, and maybe somebody's going to be out there like, no, it was earlier than that, or it was later than that, uh, by a gentleman by the name of Dr. William Marston. Uh, Dr. Marston is famous for more than one thing. Uh, One of them is DISC and creating the philosophies and concepts around it. Uh, The second thing, little known fact about Dr. Marston, is he's also the individual that created the character Wonder Woman. There's a very interesting documentary about his life. So uh, if anybody wants to do more research, but uh, when he was done with his study and he created these four behavioral styles or personality styles, as you talked about, uh, he crafted this concept of DISC, uh, dominance, influence, uh, steadiness, and conscientiousness. Uh, And those, even those titles have evolved over time. Um, But here's the interesting thing. It's never been uh, owned by anybody. Uh, so many of your listeners uh, of this uh, podcast and previous might uh, say that, oh, I took a version, I took this, and there be, there's multiple versions of it. Uh, there's some that, uh, you know, they rotate the, 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 the letters, and uh, there's some that, you know, a- apply uh, colors to it. Uh, there's some that actually are animal-based, you know, are you a lion, are you a, a bear, you know, things along those lines. So lots of companies have versions of this. Some use older styles, uh, even today, and, and and we use a much more uh, scientifically based version. Uh, and our brand is called uh, my every or it's called the Everything Disc uh, Assessment. So uh, when you go out there and you you Google Disc, usually we uh, uh, either our company or uh, Everything Disc will pop up as the first one because it is the most uh, highly utilized disc on the market. So uh, and there's different versions. There's one for the workplace. There's one for management. Uh, there's one for senior leaders. Uh, we have one just specifically focused in on productive conflict. Uh, we even have a, a disc-based 360 program. So uh, we just launched literally two weeks ago uh, a, a disc uh, assessment around uh, Agile EQ. Uh, so we continue to evolve uh, the, the, the products and the, the accuracy of the products. So it's, it's quite exciting stuff. Yeah, that is great stuff. Now, having done... Two two discs now, one about five years apart from the other. Yep. Uh, I you know as a plug for what you guys do and just for the assessment in general, uh, it was scary, folks. <laughs> it was scary how accurate it is. And if you uh, as a business owner, or even if you're not, and you want to pitch something to your company or organization that may help uh, with people working better together. Uh, these disc assessments are incredible. And of course, the support that you would get and the help that you would get from Kurt and the rest of the folks there um, is uh, is top-notch stuff. So uh, we've had Kurt's organization into, uh, into some places that I've worked uh, in the past. So they are uh, an amazing group and uh, they will treat you well. 
We, we do our best. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So you have been in this uh, business now for eight and a half years, yep. and you probably have come to some conclusions. Some of them may be analytically based. Some of them just may be the smell test because of all the people that you've put these assessments through. Are companies more likely to be successful because they bring in certain personality types? What have you found from a research perspective? Yeah, so research base will tell you, A, uh, that all uh, styles, and we like to refer to them as styles, not necessarily, oh, you're a D, you're an I, uh, you're an S, but it, you're, it's a style, it's a behavior, it's, it's, it's things that you demonstrate. Uh, all styles have uh, equal value. Uh, all styles uh, are good contributors to an organization. Uh, all styles can be very successful. And so uh, there is no better, best, and worst. Uh, and, and we really try to reinforce that with our clients because it's very easy in our, our culture of competitive nature uh, to try to say how I'm better than you. And, and, and that's not the case when it comes to uh, behavioral styles. Matter of fact, uh, we encourage clients uh, to make sure they have a, a well-balanced team. But here's the caveat, Jeff. Uh, the DISC, uh, disc uh, profiles that uh, we have for companies are not validated for hiring. So this is a post-hire uh, experience, right? Um, and so we bring it in to an organization and then they help their employees understand themselves. And, and what we talk to uh, clients about is in order to build stronger, healthier, productive relationships, the very first place you have to start is help people with personal self-awareness, right? How do they show up in the workplace? How do they show up? I mean, I, I apply this in my personal life as well. How do I show up in my personal life when I interact with friends, family, and, and, and relatives? Uh, and once I get a good grasp of what that looks like, I, I'm not being asked to be somebody different. I'm just being asked to know how I come across to others and how others might perceive how I interact with them. Once I have that information, uh, then I take the next step and learn more about uh, the different styles because everybody looks at the world uh, through a slightly different lens. And, and no two people are going to be exactly the same. Uh, to your point about your profile, as you looked at your profile, you could have coworkers there and everybody's profile could have had a slight different variation. But the the commonality is usually, uh, wow, this is this is scary accurate. How do they how do they know? Uh, and that kind of gives you a testament to the the, the science behind it. Um, so I, I you know, and, and I often get asked, say, you know, Kurt, which style is more prevalent out there? Uh, and research has shown it is roughly 25% D, 25% I, 25% S, 25% C. Now, you may have organizations that skew more side to, to another, but in the global number of assessments that have been taken over the years, it roughly breaks out uh, equally like that, which, which seems almost that it would be impossible, but that's how the research uh, and the data has shown. That's fascinating that it comes out to four different personality types and each of them have a piece of the pie. Yeah, right? exactly. Yep. And that's one of the graphics that you see in personality types is usually it's in a disc or in a circle and it's yep. split up into pie shapes. Yep. And you can go deeper into that too. And, I, and I've seen different ones where, you know, the even though there's four main quadrants, uh, there are different slices to those yep. quadrants to make it more specific or more unique uh, to different types of personalities. Yeah, we have we have twelve different variations, right? So uh, I am a, a, a CD style, so I have uh, very conscientious but also dominance type of behaviors. Uh, my wife is a excuse me an IS, 
So she has a lot of influencing and uh, supportive and steadiness tendencies. So uh, you can have a little bit of variation of all. And, and then we even talk about the uh, the extremity, right? There are the extremes. Uh, you can be uh, more. Um, uh, your, your style is stronger. You have a stronger inclination to it, or you may have a slight inclination. Uh, but we tell every client, uh, we all are a makeup of all four styles. There's just some that come out stronger than others, if that, if that makes sense. Yes. So speaking to that specifically, I, on this disc or on this circle, uh, I am an ISSI person too, which means that I am a you know, I, I love to be out uh, in the public eye. I'm very gregarious, verbose, and I'm also a supportive kind of person. I like to be a team guy, mm-hmm. but I am on an extreme. I am uh, out on a plane almost by myself. And the farther that you get away from the middle, the harder it is for you to take on some of the other personality types way on the other side of the circle. Is that a good evaluation? That is excellent evaluation. Yes, you can get there. It's just going to take more energy. Yeah. So for me, I am not somebody who gets angry, but when I do, it kind of just explodes. It comes out of nowhere and people are like, where did that come from? Well, yeah. probably two or three weeks of incredible frustration. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's kind of built up, right? It's kind of built up. Yeah. Yeah. So folks, just to be clear, when I say explode, I'm not doing yeah. anything violent. <laughs> I just happen to, yes, I just happen to, to get angry for a moment and, and that's about it. So, yep. well, good. So that is fascinating stuff. Finding that these assessments continue to evolve. Are you adding more things in? Or are you clarifying these things as you go along? Or are they pretty pretty strong right where they're at? Uh, you know, uh, since I've joined the company, there's been a, 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 some addition. So uh, back in the olden days, uh, DISC was a series of 29 words, and you had to pick which word best described you. Uh, well, some significant pushback, and there are still assessments like that out there that have the DISC concept around them, uh, but people felt like that wasn't accurate enough. So uh, at some point in time, uh, the, the folks that uh, generate and create our, our version of the assessments uh, said, we need to come up with something a little bit more robust. So they instituted a Likert scale, uh, and there was roughly 79 questions, and you had to kind of say, where are you at on the scale in between these two descriptors? Uh, and then even that uh, left some people wanting more. So probably about two or three years ago, uh, we instituted adaptive testing, uh, which is a process uh, in which you are asked questions at a frequent enough basis uh, to help us get a, a clear and more accurate picture, knowing it's never going to be 100%. And anybody that tells you this is is a hundred percent accurate uh, reflection of who you are is is not really telling you the whole picture, um, but we're going to get it as close as we possibly can. Uh, and so adaptive testing has resulted in some folks, if they're very consistent with their responses, may actually get fewer than seventy some odd questions. Uh, those that are you know a little bit, I'm not going to call it wishy-washy, but maybe a little bit more vague in some of their responses or they're you know, kind of going back and forth a little bit, they can get over a hundred questions. But the idea is that once we get enough responses that we feel like, okay, uh, this is a true, as true a reflection as we're going to get, then that's when their profile is, is generated. So that has been probably the biggest uh, uh, enhancement over the last three years is that inclusion of adaptive testing. Yeah, you're you're right. If somebody comes in and says 100% accurate, it's really not possible. It may no. be 100% accurate at that moment, but we're always changing and evolving, so to speak. And yeah. and uh, you're going to change over time. 
Yeah. And, and we actually, during our facilitation, we allow people even another layer of personalization, right? We have them read their profile, uh, read sentences and statements and, and kind of self-determine. Does that sound like them? Does that, is that like them? Or if it's not, we, we say, go ahead. You know, that's, that's fine. Uh, but make sure you check it out with somebody, right? Cause if you, if you don't think it's a problem, uh, or you don't think it describes you, but everybody else around you think it describes you, you might want to pay attention to that information. But we do yeah. want to give people some latitude uh, because they're much more open. If you get told this is you and you don't agree with it, then we've just we've lost the, the battle and the war. Uh, so we want to give them some opportunity to have some room uh, to, to, to incorporate what they're reading uh, into who they are. Yeah, so true. I, I think you would call those people who don't accept who they are as stubborn. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Well, good, good. Uh, really good uh, information. And uh, that will that will do it as far as the hard stuff, the heavy lifting, Kurt. Gotcha. Uh, we are going to move into the last segment, which is what I like to call, you know, five bullet questions. They're just going to be quick questions for you. And Please just give me your answer. You can elaborate on it a little bit, but don't think about it too long. They are non-work related. Okay. Uh, just to give the folks out there a little bit of idea of maybe some other things that you're interested in outside of desk, outside of work, outside of, uh, you know, your professional life. So, okay. question number one, Kurt Arshamble, where in the world, and I know that you are a world traveler, where in the world would you like to go that you've never been? Uh, my wife and I talk about this question all the time, and, and we have some difference of opinion, but I think the one thing that we both agree uh, is we would love uh, to go to uh, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, she would be excited about going to Fiji as well, but uh, at least that part of the world, that is one area that we have uh, never explored, and it is on our short list of places to go. Good for you. That has been on my short list and almost went there on my honeymoon you know, 30 plus years ago, but they will tell you once you start to look into it that it isn't going to do you justice unless you go for two full weeks. Right. Yes. And then you're traveling a long way. You got to make it worth your while. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I definitely think uh, that'll be on my bucket list as well. Uh, Kurt, what's your favorite food? I, I don't think it's anything German though, is it? Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I wish I had one specific food that I could uh, highlight. I do love when mom cooks. I'm not going to lie. Uh, she pulls out some good, authentic German food, and it is fantastic. Uh, I would tell you, I don't eat it as much as I, I would like to, uh, but uh, I got I to gotta go with pizza. And, and it's, you know, it's just like the, the, the food that brings everybody together, right? And who doesn't like pizza? And there's so many ways that you can enjoy a pizza. We have a, a local pizza joint in our complex that we live in and we love going down there so uh, that's probably my favorite food nice to be able to just to go down the elevator to your favorite pizza place isn't it it, it, it is very nice i'm not gonna lie that is correct so good description on what pizza is it does bring people together meals do in general but something about pizza that really is a, a binder of people as they sit and enjoy some food i agree so uh do you like to cook well, uh, I know that you and I are somewhat connected uh, it, through social media, Jeff, so you probably know the answer to this question already, but uh, my wife and I probably about 
two years ago, maybe a little longer, decided to jump into the uh, meal kit world. Uh, prior to that, I don't think in the eight years, nine years we lived in our condo, our stove uh, was turned on for more than 15 minutes because uh, we live above a Whole Foods as well. So we go to the pizza place wow. and then we go to the Whole Foods. So we started doing the meal kit program uh, and I, I have a kit arriving uh, when I get home. And so I'm predominantly the chef that cooks uh, the majority of the meals, and we love it. It's uh, uh, it's uh, been a good husband and wife activity to do. Uh, we have three great meals together each week. Uh, we sit around the table. We've not, we hadn't done that for years. Uh, so we, we're big fans of the meal kit process, and we have zero waste. Uh, we eat everything, and we don't overeat. So yes, I do love to cook, and I love to have you know the recipe already planned out for me. That makes my life much simpler. No question. Busy life. Yeah. Uh, so you are given a great testament to city living, Kurt, yeah. uh, with you, you mentioned the two places, your two favorite places that you like to go are just down on street level. You know, yeah. however many floors you live up uh, in, in Seattle there, it's that's that's really nice and very convenient. Yes. All right. Two tough questions. Skydive or no? Uh, no, there's there's no reason to jump out of a perfectly functioning airplane. Uh, I think we should enjoy our complimentary cocktails and peanuts uh, and let the pilot do the work. That doesn't surprise me, Kurt, because you did say earlier that you were risk averse. That is for sure. All right. Last question. Ever envision yourself writing a book? Ah, you know, uh, I don't know if I have. You know, I could write a book, I think. I, you know, somebody said I should write a book. Uh, if I were to write a book, I would probably write it in a similar fashion uh, to like uh, Patrick Lencioni, not to give him a plug, but I love his way of writing. Uh, when I facilitate, I facilitate and I write the way I talk. Uh, so uh, the problem is I would probably self-doubt my way out of writing a book. Uh, so I know I think I have the, the skill set to do it, uh, but I would probably have to bring on a, a ghostwriter to help me uh, set it up as, as best as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, having written a couple of books now, one in particular where I just had to sit and do a lot of typing and, and whatnot, I think most people probably, unless you start to get into fiction writing mm. uh, and something outside of, say, what we'll call it reality or, or nonfiction, uh, you do write as you speak. Mm -hmm. And as it was coming out of me, things were more conversational than I would have thought of. But you you won't know totally until you actually sit down and start doing something in regards to that. Yeah, and, and having authored a couple of books now too, I can't tell you when people say everybody has a book in them, I believe that. <laughs> well, you are a testament to that. That's for sure. Absolutely. And you, you've had a very interesting life. Uh, you could probably write too. You could talk about being an, an army brat. And then you can talk about your life. Uh, you, maybe Jack wouldn't appreciate yep. it if you if you brought their name into it, but you can right. my, my life in the restaurant world. That's right. That's right. My life as a maintenance boy. Maybe that's the title. <laughs> <laughs> From maintenance boy to personality assessor. There you go. I, I think uh, about eight people would buy it, but you know what? That's eight people that would buy it, so I'm good with that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a rush when people That's right. do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. So, Kurt, before we uh, sign off, uh, 
please, the floor is yours. How people can get a hold of people performance strategies or yourself or an easy way to get the ball started. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very simple process in this day and age, right, with the social media and technology available to us. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me directly and learn more, uh, you just uh, type into your uh, favorite email to line, uh, C-U-R-T at ppstrat.com, uh, and that'll go directly to me. Uh, we also have what I would like to say is a very good website, so with Jolene, uh, at ppstrat.com, and that will give you more information about all the products and services we offer. Uh, not only do we do DISC, uh, we also have a pre-hire uh, assessment to help you make those good choices on who to bring onto your team. Uh, we do a lot of work with uh, uh, the, what we call the five behaviors of a cohesive team, uh, which is an adaptation of the five dysfunctions of a team. Uh, we partner well with uh, Patrick Lencioni on that. Uh, so that's another tool that you have at your disposal. Uh, and you can see more about that on our website. Uh, and then we do some custom work too. So, you know, if you, if that doesn't quite fit your need, but you have a need, we might be able to help you out. Uh, so going to our website and if you are part of the Facebook world, uh, we have a very good, uh, Facebook page, uh, that we try to bring learnings and insights on a myriad of topics. We also try to have some fun and give you a little peek as to who we are as, as people. Uh, and you can just go to Facebook and look up, uh, search, uh, uh, uh people and performance strategies and, and you'll get to our page. And heck, I would be remiss in, in saying we also have our company LinkedIn page. So many different ways of, of getting in touch with us. Uh, and we'd be happy to you know, have a conversation about what your needs are, how we can assist you, uh, and kind of take a look at what those next steps could look like. Fantastic. And just as a little plug myself, I definitely highly recommend uh, the folks there at uh, PPS, People Performance Strategies, and uh, take advantage of them if your company is looking uh, to better themselves. So uh, with that, uh, we are going to call at the end of this episode of the Drawscast. Please uh, don't forget Jeff at DrawsTalks.com to get a hold of me just to talk, talk about the episode, uh, talk about uh, booking me for an event, uh, whether that be sooner or later. Happy to talk to you about anything that you'd like in regards to the realm of leadership and motivation. Uh, Kurt, thank you for being a great guest. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you on your uh, podcast, and uh, we'll do all we can to help spread your word as well as, as you've been so kind to help us uh, spread ours. Excellent. All right. Well, everybody, take care. Bye for now. You have been listening to the Drawscast podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and head over to his YouTube channel, The Draws, and do the same. Want more? Go to drawstalks.com for more great information and to find out how to book draws for your next event. And Check out Draws' latest book, Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time. Tune in next time for more of the Draws Cast Podcast. Podcast.